This is Red Skies, brought to you by Karen Maroos and Kelly Doherty. Produced by Medley Shabazz. Red Skies is real educated discussions on sustainability knowledge impacting every society. We're people that work in sustainability and also went to school for sustainability, which is where we met and became friends. Our goal is to continue to learn and to inspire ourselves and others to do better. We'll tell stories about sustainability and answer questions like, Why should I care? What is is a carbon footprint? We are New Yorkers leading regular lives and doing our best to live sustainably, but we're not perfect. We don't have all the answers, but together we will search for them. This is Red Skies. So Karen, about 10 years ago, I think I've shared this story with you before, but I started camping with a bunch of friends every year. And it has become something that I actually look forward to every year and have actually wanted to do it more times a year. And the main reason is because I love being able to disconnect from the world, turn off, you know, cell phones. There's absolutely no cell phone service. Um, You sit around a campfire, you play some games with friends, you have great conversation, you cook together, you clean together. It's just, you're one with nature. And I just really love it and look forward to it every year. Well, years ago, I actually brought you Um, on the journey because I just love sharing camping with everyone. I loved it. We went together maybe three or four years ago now. Yeah. And I think maybe longer. We went for two, two years together, right? One after, I think so. Yeah, I think so. And actually I had, I had some camping experience, but a different type of camping. Uh, So I had done a bit more backcountry camping and what we did together was called car camping, which was really cool and interesting and fun and far more comfortable as far as the luxuries of the modern world. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. Like when I describe camping to friends, though, usually they're like, that does not sound like fun sleeping on a on the dirt on the ground um, in a tent. Um, But actually, it's a lot of fun. Um, But yes, we would be, I think, to some people, the type of camping that I go to would be called like glamping. And because, you know, really the reason why is because there's a bathroom, there's running water um, and it's really a campsite. And there's plenty of these all over uh, the United States and all over the world. And it does bring some luxuries to camping. So a lot of families do this. And that's how I started camping. And um, a couple years in, so I've been going about, uh, for about 10 years, friends of mine have been going since they were, you know, children. And I immediately noticed when we started camping, how much waste actually was happening. I remember these bags of trash at every campsite. So if you can imagine, you know, a huge plot of land and multiple uh, groups of people sitting around, Um, at their campsite and this truck coming by multiple times a day and picking up bags and bags of waste from each campsite. And I was really struck by that, um, how much there was uh, being thrown out by each campsite. And, you know, we were only there for one weekend and that's happening, you know, every day or and definitely every weekend throughout the season. Yeah, I was really struck by that too, actually. And because my experience of camping was so different than the experience I had with you. 
Um, and maybe just to take a step back, I'll describe the difference. So I'm not a camping expert, but there are a number of ways you can go camping. Uh, some are a bit more off the grid than others. And what we're talking about right now is car camping, which means you designate a site in advance, you rent it for a certain amount of days through a campsite. Typically, these campsites allow you to drive your car directly up to where you'll set up your tent. So you have a parking spot, you have your tent, you have an area where you can have fires, and then you're typically a walk away from a shared bathroom facility and maybe some other recreational facilities depending on where you are. And then these campsites typically also offer services such as trash removal. Uh, there's other types of camping where you can actually hike into an area, find a designated camping site, but it's not serviced at all. So there may not be bathrooms, there may not be waste removal or any of that. And that had been my previous experience. And one thing I thought to myself is because it's not a carry in, carry out situation. So you're not holding everything on your back that you would need to hold for the weekend or however long you'll be there people felt far more free to just load their trunks up with cases of beer and water and food and all types of foods that you normally wouldn't bring on a camping trip because essentially you could have a cooler in your trunk that kept everything cold. Uh, and I think the convenience of it also created a lot of waste and kind of takes away from the fact of being in nature for the sake of being in nature. I actually researched a little bit on this topic. And to be honest, it was actually really hard to find statistics on camping and waste. But when I started to, to, to really break down like what I was interested in, it was this like the idea of like the throwaway mentality, like why, why people, and that's what you're talking about right now. You know, you go camping and you want to make it easy for you to live in the modern world now in the middle of the woods. So yeah, you bring all of these things and typically it's to make it easier. People don't wanna bring their, their stuff from home. So they you know use it once and then, okay, it's dirty, I'm gonna throw it out. Or I wanna use this plastic thing cause I don't wanna bring my, uh, um, my reusable stuff from home or whatever it may be. So it ends up being this one-time use throwaway, unfortunately. I think these this mentality and some of the things I think you'll talk through don't just apply to camping trips because I know not everybody does that, but this could apply to your day trip to the beach. This could apply to when you go to the lake with your family and, and rent jet skis and, and have a fun day on a lake or kind of any time or if you go for a hike or any time really that you go somewhere with the intention of spending times outdoors and want to bring the conveniences of your home and indoors to the outdoors with you. So this is really kind of a universal conversation for both day trips and multiple day trips where you where you might be outside most of the time. Right, Karen, that's a really good point. And also you could use these tips and tricks that we're gonna go over, maybe things that you even have in the house, maybe not even just outside, but anytime that you're getting together um, and there's some preparation involved, you can actually use a lot of the tips that we're gonna go over. 
This conversation actually also reminds me of this TV show that I used to watch. Basically, the family goes out on a picnic in a big open field, and it took place in the 50s. And the image just has stuck with me that after they were done with their picnic, they took the blanket and they literally left all the trash just on the field. And I can't imagine myself ever doing that because I didn't grow up um, doing that. But, you know, I, I guess there are people out there that that's just their normal and they just leave trash um, wherever they go, which is pretty sad. Bet if we talk to our local parks department here in New York City and probably in most major cities, I bet they would say, yes, people do that all the time, probably more than we expect. So I think there's a lot to learn. I'm really curious what research you did around camping or just being outdoors. Yeah. So there was actually one study um, that I was able to bring up. Um, Again, there wasn't a lot out there, so um, I really had to go digging for it. But there was this study done in 2018, but the data was from 2017 from Leave No Trace. It was a center. It is a center for outdoor ethics. What they did was they surveyed a whole bunch of people that were camping in national parks. They gave them a survey and they also observed actual behavior. So it's interesting to see like what people actually said on the survey versus what they actually did. And, you know, I'll read some of the the survey results. But to me, honestly, the, the some of the statistics are kind of obvious um, based on my experience, at least. So the good news is that in the survey results, basically the overall um, respondents strongly disagreed with the notion that recycling in national parks is useless. So that's a good sign, meaning like people think, you know, know that it's important and that it doesn't take too much time. Now, what was interesting from the observation results of the study were that nearly three-fourths of the visitors properly disposed of their waste, which is kind of high, actually. That's about 74%. And the plastic wrappers were the most frequently discarded item at 32%, with over one-third of visitors disposing of non-recyclable plastic wrappers. And then recyclable plastic was the second most frequently discarded item at 31%, followed by paper at 28%. And they also found that visitors who did not actively sort their waste or recycling were significantly less likely to dispose of their waste or recycling properly than those who actually did sort um, their waste properly. Yep, this doesn't surprise me at all because I remember before that camping, that first camping trip that we went on together, we went on a Costco run, we filled a Costco cart up to the brim and maybe more. And what does all that stuff come in? plastic wrap, plastic boxes. And we we didn't come home, cut it up, put it in reusable container. We didn't do any of that, right? We just literally threw it in the car and took it to the campsite and dealt with it there. So probably left more waste at the campsite than we needed to because it's available to us. Right, exactly. The study really found that they need to have more signage, which goes back to that same concept of 
educating people on what they should and should not do ahead of time. When Um, you talk about signage, Kelly, what do you mean exactly? Signage uh, to tell people you should be recycling these types of items and in this waste uh, facility or this basket um, or taking this home with you and recycling it because we don't have a recycling ability to recycle at the campsite. So things like that. Um, It could even, the study also um, mentioned educating camp goers when you sign into the site of the things that you are not allowed to leave at the site. That could be another way to address the problem so people won't, will begin to not bring those items with them. That would make a lot of sense. I remember too, the other thing I saw was people with inflatable mattresses, lots of huge items, even mini generators to keep their <laughs> their power, their their electronics at full battery life through, so they could watch movies and do things while they're camping, which I found really interesting. And I can imagine that some percentage of those items maybe die or the mattress gets a hole in it while they're out there on their camping adventure. And I would bet that you just dump it right there and hope that the campsite will deal with it for you. So definitely not following the practice of leave no trace, which we can actually talk about what leave no trace means in a minute too. And um, the other type of waste that we haven't touched upon is actually food waste. So like you said before, when we went to that Costco trip, we filled that huge basket of cart um, with food and we just bought, we had, you know, 10, 15 people going, whatever it may have been that year. And we just threw food in. So let's say 50 hot dogs and a hundred hamburgers and the salad and this and that. And what ended up happening is because it's sitting in that cooler um, over, you know, three or four days, however long you're camping, if any products that you don't use um, are typically drenched in water and they're really not that good. So you end up throwing it out. Um, And I've also seen food that actually is good that people just throw out because they don't want to make the effort of bringing that home, um, which is ridiculous, but it happens. Um, So there's a lot of food waste that happens as well. Do you remember experiencing that? Yeah, there was a lot of waste in general. And I think there was also a lot of beverage waste. There were a lot of cans. I just remember tons and tons of cans and bottles or the, you know, half drank water bottle and you can't remember if it's yours or the next person. So you just throw it out and open a fresh one, right? So even something like a simple marker to write your name on your beverage could make a huge impact potentially. Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually, another aspect of camping um, that we do every year is we go rafting. And um, typically what that means is for for us, we would uh, pile a bunch of people in a raft and go down the Delaware River. Actually, it's a beautiful, serene experience. Um, Also takes a bit of teamwork, (laughs) which is also fun. Um, And what also happens there is that you fill up a cooler with lots of uh, aluminum bottles and plastic um, so that you can eat and drink throughout your journey. And um, not one of the years that you were with me, but another year, um, one of the rafts that had all of the uh, food in it ended up hitting like um, a rock, some rocks and ended up flipping over 
and the entire, the entire cooler of food and I don't know, maybe 30 beers and other beverage plastic ended up going into the Delaware River, including the cooler. We couldn't get it because it was gone. And that made me think at that time, this is not, we're not the only person that this happened to. There has to be so, so much waste that ends up in the Delaware River because of people doing this activity. Um, and that was, that's kind of upsetting to me. Um, and then recently I came across a YouTube video of two scuba divers. Typically when you go rafting, there are certain places like that you get off and you leave the raft for the campsite to pick it up or whoever's, you know, owning the raft. And what they did was they, they went underwater right there because that is typically where people at the end of their trip are kind of done and just throw things in the water because they don't want to carry it back at the end of a long day. And they filled buckets and trash bags of aluminum cans, bottles, Swiss army knives, lots of them, sunglasses. Just, it was unbelievable of how much was actually down there. And it uh, reminded me of that time our cooler flipped over. Yeah, that's not surprising to me. <laughs> and I think it can happen even if you're being very sustainable and conscious, but I'll be curious to hear what your thoughts are on how to reduce incidents like that. One thing that comes to mind for me is really asking yourself if you need all of that stuff with you for a few hour adventure. So before we even get to packaging it in a sustainable way or bringing it with you in a sustainable way, just first starting by saying, do three people really need a 30 pack of beer for a, a four hour rafting trip? Probably not. I'm sure there are some like fraternities that think otherwise, but <laughs> we're not in one. So, <laughs> you know, um, maybe just limiting what you need or what you feel like you need and maybe just realizing we're in the great outdoors. So. And enjoying that. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to just be there. Well, we actually made some changes to camping after a couple of years of watching this and also, to be honest, getting more a little bit more comfortable with the group and being a little bit of a seasoned camper. <laughs> um, so the first thing we did, um, which again, I had some pushback from, but people ended up seeing that this was good. We bought reusable tumblers, plastic tumblers. Um, they were all the same. Um, they came with a straw. You could use them for hot and cold beverages. So it's not like we couldn't put coffee in them in the morning and then I'll have a drink at night. Uh, we, everyone wrote their names on them. So, you know, you, you weren't going through this, whose cup is whose, et cetera. So that really helped. We also got uh, reusable plates and silverware. And also what we did for the silverware was, you know, when you get takeout or delivery and they automatically put the plastic silverware in your takeout, the people that were camping, we saved all of that um, because why not, why not use, if we're going to have it anyway, use it. Um, so we saved it. I can't believe how much we actually collectively had all together, um, individually wrapped in plastic these plastic utensils. Um, but we also use those if, if we needed more. And 
then we also created a washing system um, on a daily basis that used less water. So we got a huge um, bucket and we brought soap, we bought brought a, um, a sponge in order to clean the dishes on a daily basis. We assigned tasks to, so nobody was doing it every single day after dinner. Um, so it really worked actually. And there was a huge reduction of waste that our individual campsite was releasing every day. So if you can imagine three like big trash bags being picked up, that was limited to about one a day rather than going multiple times of having um, two to three huge plastic bags of trash. So that was a big one. That's yeah, that's a great one. And I think even in instances where the burden of washing reusable items is too much, I would say consider using paper-based products instead of plastic or styrofoam products. So if you do have to bring single-use plates or cups use paper as much as possible because those biodegrade much faster in a landfill than plastics do and they have much less risk of ending up in a vulnerable environmental system the other big one was planning out meals and and we did this for at least two seasons and what that really entailed was understanding people's dietary restrictions from the beginning knowing who exactly was going was really helpful. And then we made a plan for every single meal so that when we went to the grocery store, we knew how many hot dogs, how many hamburgers, how much steak, how much, or whatever it would be, how much salad. We really did that um, well. And honestly, it was a lot better, but we can do even more. We tend to have like a lot of snacks. I I think people just, oh, we're going to want this. We're going to want this. It didn't end up getting used. Um, So we're gonna continue to do do better with that. Yeah, and I think the general rule of thumb is just think about this beautiful place that you're in and think about the fact that you want it to be there for many, many, many more years to come and you don't want it overrun and over inundated with trash and other garbage. So when you're at the beach, when you're in the park having a picnic, when you're out camping, when you're at the lake, just remember, I want this place to be beautiful every time I return here. So the more I can, the less I can bring with me and the more of what I bring with me, I can take home with me, the better I'm leaving it for future groups of people to enjoy and for myself to enjoy year after year. We can even do better. So on the concept after reading that study, like really what we should be doing is any of the the items that need to be recycled, we should take home with us and we should recycle because it's not being recycled there and we can do a lot more. So I will continue that journey. I mean, for me, the the most important thing is that I still I still want to have fun. Like I'm not taking the element of of get going into nature and being with friends and having that time to talk um, and be disconnected from the world. I'm not going to take that fun out of it, but it's just about being more responsible and like you said, preserving the environment so that we can go back. Yeah, and to get back to other tips and tricks for for sustainable outings, 
you can consider buying gear and equipment used, which is much cheaper than going to REI and buying everything you see, which is what I do when I go to REI because I'm a nerd about being outdoors. <laughs> and you can consider things like your transportation, getting there, maybe carpooling to wherever you're going, or if public transportation is an option, taking that. You can also consider your activities while you're in a place, while you're in a location. So making sure that what you're doing is, again, preserving the area. One example is sometimes on lakes, I'll see very high-powered, probably unnecessary motorized equipment that's, that adds to pollution around the lake or could even leak gas and other liquids from the from the equipment into the lake so an example maybe jet skiing and while those things are fun just thinking about if they're necessary uh and if there's other ways you can enjoy that space so that you're not adding to air pollution around that area and even sound pollution which can be very distracting for other people who are trying to enjoy those areas and just generally being mindful about what you're doing when you are out in nature because at least here where we live in New York City these areas are few and far between and need to be enjoyed by the masses and we need to be able to respect each other when we're doing that the other thing I'll add is you and I both have dogs um, dogs count too so you do have to clean up after your pets that go with you on hikes or camping or wherever they go. Uh, you do have to make sure you're disposing that waste in a clean and sanitary way and not just leaving it for somebody else to accidentally and surprisingly find for you. And um, also being mindful of other wildlife that might be in those areas where you are and practicing you know, best safety practices as far as wildlife that already exists there. And then practicing best environmental practices, meaning that we remember that it's their home and we're in there pretending and getting to play in their home as opposed to the other way around. Yeah, Karen, those are all really good points. And to be honest, you know, I'm not perfect. We're not perfect, um, but we're learning and we're trying to make a difference. So you know, if I go end up going camping this year, I'm not sure it will happen this year, um, but you know, next year or any upcoming family events, you know, I'm going to ask us to kind of figure out how we can make less of an impact. So maybe that is bringing our own um, plates and uh, reusable cups instead of, you know, people constantly using solo cups or, you know, some type of plastic um, throwaway cup. And then, you know, what are some other things that we can do instead of bottles for, you know, soda or water, you know, maybe getting a big jug and using that um, and refilling that as needed with, you know, iced tea or lemonade or, you know, some other kind of beverage. You know, all those little things that we do will help reduce reduce our impact that we have and every little thing that we do will make a difference so try something maybe you got some nugget out of this conversation and you can make a change in your life 
I guess that's really what we're all trying to do. So next time you're planning for a family barbecue or a camping trip, a picnic, you know, even a day out at a, at a you know, a, a, a ball game, maybe not a MLB ball game or something like that, but maybe, you know, a local game, you can think about like what's in your bag that you're bringing and how you can prepare for that in advance. Great. Thanks for bringing this up, Kelly. This was a great chat. I'm excited to use some of these tips too in my various outings. And don't forget to visit our website where we will have information on Leave No Trace and the Center for Outdoor Ethics, which we reference in this episode, as well as information from New York State on the Department of Environmental Conservation's website and their tips on camping in an environmentally friendly way. We would also love to hear how you are using some of the things we talked about in your home life, maybe a nugget from this episode. Go to our website and feel free to leave a comment. As always, our goal is to share interesting stories and continue to learn. And don't forget to follow us at redskies underscore podcast on Instagram.